Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about maybe it's time to sell some dud investments. Uh, That is, it could be a perfect time now in both the share market and the property market to dispose of any investments that aren't performing as you had hoped when you purchased them or expected when you purchased them. Uh, So let me explain. Why do I think it's good timing? Well, firstly, the share markets are high and arguably over-exuberant and it will um, drag along both good and poor stocks. So if we look to the US market, uh, over the last 11 years, since 2009, the market has increased by an annual compounding rate of over 14.5% and is currently at an all-time high, despite things like coronavirus and uh, these things ticking around. So to put that in context, if you had have invested uh, $50,000 in the S&P 500, in uh, 2009, uh, nearly 11 years ago, it would be worth over $220,000 today, uh, and that's excluding the impact of dividends. Um, And there's a chart I have included uh, that is put together by Advisor Perspectives, which is a a group in the US, and what it did is it charted um, four most commonly used valuation metrics, um, in respect to the US market since 1900. So, you know, um, obviously quite a lot of data there. Um, And essentially what it shows is that there's probably only one time in history since 1900 that the US market has reached valuations of this level. Uh, And that was in early 2000s, often called the dot-com bubble, And uh, most of us that were around in early 2000s know exactly how that ended. Uh, That is, the S&P dropped by about 40% between uh, 2001 and 2003. Um, So pretty ordinary outcomes. Now, that's not suggesting that we're going to have a market crash. It's not suggesting over the next couple of years that we'll see a 40% reduction in value. It's just to suggest that there are risks at the moment with respect to the US market in terms of valuation, but more correctly, as I'm talking about um, divesting of dud assets, that the market is over-exuberant at the moment. And uh, I'm seeing, certainly I'll give you an example in a second, that uh, stocks that don't really have strong fundamentals get pulled along by the over-exuberant market. Australia's high too. The Australian market is high as well, I should say, Um, but to a much lesser extent than the US. So it has increased by a compounding average of 6.9%. So that's really around 7% versus 14.5%, so half as much as the US market between 2009 and today. And looking at the CAPE ratio, which is a Evaluation matrix that that I use or that I think is very compelling and what it does is look at long-term trend of returns and the price of the stock. So it tries to eradicate the impact of higher higher earnings on uh, its impact on stock price and just look at what is the multiple impact. Um, So the CAPE ratio in the Aussie market is 19.3 and presumed fair value is about 17.6. So overvalued, but not nearly as much 
uh, as the US market and certainly I've got significantly fewer concerns about you know irrational behavior in the in the Aussie market albeit it's still happening in patches and so forth um, so again because of rising domestic and international markets it tends to drag all stocks along with them good and bad and an irrationally exuberant market tends to ignore investment fundamentals in the main uh, and US electronic car manufacturer Tesla is case in point. Its share price has risen from $450 a year ago uh, in Australian dollars to around about $1,150 per share today. Uh, that's over the last 12 months. Its market cap, markets capitalization, so the value of the business is over $200 billion Australian dollars. Uh, and it's actually never recorded a profit. In fact, it burns through over a billion dollars, over a billion dollars worth of cash each year, more than a billion. Um, and uh, so its valuation, 200 billion, is more than 1.6 times the combined value of both Ford and General Motors Holden. So they're massive car companies, right? Ford and, and GM sell approximately 13 million cars a year. Tesla sells about 370,000 cars a year. So where's the common sense in these valuations? That's the risk that all stocks are being dragged along. And so if you have some poor quality stocks or poor quality managed funds, now might be the time to exit those investments. Similarly, if we look to the domestic property market, we're certainly seeing in our business an improvement in sentiment towards uh, property investing. And this has been really reflected, I guess, in the auction clearance rates, which are now sort of mid 70%, uh, particularly in Melbourne, where auction is a, a more common sales process. So it gives us a better sense of what, what's happening in the market. And a 70% sort of clearance rate, or mid 70s, I should say, is a, is a strong signal that there's more buyers than there are sellers. Uh, and again, this is reflected in some data. Uh, released by CBA Economics today uh, that said that showed that lending uh, to own occupiers has lifted 26% from its low point in May 19 and 15.5% for investors over that time. Now that's coming from a low base, you know, lending was falling and falling significantly uh, through to May 2019, but it has started to recover, which shows that sentiment that people are getting finance, uh, sentiments uh, certainly turning around. Um, that said, there's not a lot of stock around and the market doesn't really get back to normalised levels until close to sort of end of February or early March. So it'll be interesting to see what happens then, particularly as more stock comes in line, on, online, I should say. Now, if you have a dud investment property um, uh, or, or uh, let's say a, a less than perfect investment property, then competition really isn't your friend. You know, you want to be able to sell uh, an impaired asset in a market where stock levels are, are lower and so buyers have fewer options, fewer um, uh, ways to compare against or fewer other properties to compare yours against theirs. So if we agree that demand is increasing and there's anecdotal evidence in both lending and clearance rates to suggest that, and we can definitely see stock levels are, are lower and well below trend and below what they were a year ago, then it could be a perfect time to sell uh, a less than great quality uh, investment property. So that's why I think now's kind of a good time to sit back and have a look at your portfolio and kind of run the ruler over it and see are there any assets that haven't performed as well 
um, because, as I said, it could be a perfect time right now to dispose of them. But before we get to that, there's a few considerations that you typically need to take into account. There could be more than what I'm about to talk about. depends on your own individual circumstances. But some of the things that I like to think about uh, when advising a client to dispose of property. Um, So let's talk about some of them uh, in no particular order. The first one is capital gains tax. Um, Now, if you're going to sell an asset and you're going to make a capital gain, uh, then it's important to consider, A, whether you've got any carried forward losses that you can uh, use to reduce that gain, or B, whether there are other assets uh, that may crystallise a capital loss that you can take the opportunity to vest of at the same time to reduce your capital gain that you're going to make on the, the other asset. And of course, you want to sell assets, typically want to sell assets that are going to crystallise a capital loss first so that you can carry always carry forward that loss and offset it against a future capital gain. The other thing a lot of property investors don't realise is that if you've previously claimed a deduction of depreciation uh, in respect to that property, that each year's depreciation claim reduces your cost base. And therefore, if you buy a property for 200 grand and you sell it for 200 grand, a lot of people look at that and go, well, I've not made any gains, so there's not going to be any capital gains tax. But in fact, if you've actually claimed a lot of depreciation over the life of holding that property, then that's going to reduce your cost base and therefore create a capital gain. So you could be in the perverse situation where you're selling a property for exactly the same that you bought it for and you're up for capital gains tax liability. So it's really important to check these things out. Capital gains tax in respect to property is struck on the contract to sale date, not the settlement date. So if you're selling up until the end of the financial year, you know, maybe pushing that contract signing date uh, into the next financial year might serve you well. Uh, And if you're looking at selling some shares, for example, to offset some gains uh, and then repurchase those shares, which is often called a wash sale, be careful, the ATO is all over it. Um, If you're selling uh, assets just to minimise capital gains tax, you want to be very, very careful about what you're doing. Uh, And I've got a link in the uh, blog and show notes in regards to that. Um, If you are divesting of shares, consider selling shares in tranches rather than all at once. You know, one of the challenges with the share market is no one can predict what it's going to do in the short term. No one knows if it's going to rise by another 20% this year or crash in mid-year or whenever. So if we're going to divest of um, listed uh, assets such as shares, what I typically advise my clients to do is sell in two to four equal tranches, three to four months apart, or something along those lines so that they're gradually exiting their position and spreading that time in risk. The next consideration is that I would say borrowing capacity is just as important as cash flow. So a common mistake uh, people make is often they say, oh, you know, they assume that just because an investment property isn't costing them in anything in terms of cash flow, so that is that all its income covers all, all of its expenses, that holding on to that property is a costless exercise. You know, they say, oh, it's not costing me a thing, so I may as well hang on to it. Well, that's incorrect. There's an opportunity cost, both in respect to borrowing capacity and equity. So let me explain. In terms of borrowing capacity, everyone has a limit to how much they can or should borrow. And so borrowing capacity is a scarce resource and there should be allocated in the most efficient manner. Um, if you're using some of that borrowing capacity to hold on to an asset that's not really performing for you, then I'm arguing that you're not allocating that borrowing capacity in a scarce 
in, in a, an efficient way and therefore you could use that borrowing capacity elsewhere to invest in an asset or assets that will give you much better returns. So whilst the property might not be costing you anything in terms of cash flow or in fact maybe giving you cash flow, it's really a, a, a consideration of how well you've allocated your scarce resource being borrowing capacity. Now, if you have a lot of equity in the property and or don't have any debt against the property, you've still got a scarce asset because it's about equity. So, um, for example, if we return back, you know, if we had a crystal ball back in 20, uh, 2009 and you knew you could take your money and put it in the US market and generate 14.5%, uh, and that's not even withstanding the, the exchange rate that's changed over that, that period of time, which would have even generated better returns, um, then you can understand where the opportunity cost lies. And so you've got to think about the great, I've made a gain, I've got some equity in this property, but what, what's the best use of those uh, that, that money over the next 10 or, or 20 years or however long your time horizon is? Uh, next point is that if your portfolio hasn't performed in this market, well, then there's probably a good indication you're doing something wrong. So I'm not going to say every asset should have performed well, but at a portfolio level, certainly over the last five or 10 years, you know, your portfolio should have done uh, pretty well because really markets across the board, houses, maybe not investment-grade apartments, if you had listened to my podcast last week, um, but certainly equities have done very well over that period of time, as I've uh, highlighted. So if you haven't also done well, then it's time to really look at your investment and investment approach and make potentially make some changes in that regard. Um, a couple of last points. Uh, it could be an opportunity to uh, divest of some assets to reduce a concentration risk. So sometimes I see that um, people have too much of their portfolio invested in one stock, in one sector or in one fund manager. And so because uh, markets are high at the moment, it might be a great time to sell and then reinvest those monies in a more diversified, lower risk manner. Um, so it could be a perfect time to do that. Now, of course, we don't want to be too hasty with our decisions and dispose of investments willy-nilly. It's not a riskless exercise. We don't want to regret it later on. And particularly if we've got to pay um, capital gains tax and with property selling costs and so forth. So there's a few reasons, a few fundamentally sound reasons why you might decide not to divest of an asset, even though you're not overly excited by its performance, that its performance hasn't met your expectation. The first one, three come to mind. The first one is that you haven't held the asset long enough. So you know, you need to have hold an asset for a reasonable amount of time before you can make a reliable decision that it's not going to work in the long run. The second reason is that the investment returns have been driven by a market-wide condition rather than something specific with your asset. Um, so investment-grade apartments are a really good example. As I discussed last week, they haven't performed very well. That's a market-wide situation. That's not an asset-specific situation. And so we know that markets move in cycles, so it's really just a case of having more patience. And the last one is that the methodology hasn't had a chance to work. And probably the best example I can provide there is of using a value-based methodology uh, when investing in the share market. Value-based methodologies just won't work very well in bull markets. We've had a bull market for the last 10 years in the US and internationally and the last five years here in Australia. So if you've employed a valuation approach or value-based approach 
over that period of time, you can't really expect it to have outperformed uh, over that period of time. So there you go. Reviewing performance and making adjustments to investments is absolutely critical. It will maximize your returns and reduce your investment risk. And it must be, you must review your asset performance and portfolio performance regularly, at least annually, I would say, with a disciplined and emotionless approach. So forget about the emotions of that, that tend to jump around our head and we tend to make excuses for the assets and you know um, try and stick with sound fundamentals, stick to the data um, and, and be very deliberate about it. As I said, if you do it properly, it'll work. It'll help you reduce risk within your portfolio and maximise returns. So there you go. That's what I was thinking. Now might be a great time to sort of clean out your portfolio, clean out any uh, strategies that aren't working and start adopting a rules-based, evidence-based approach, which I have prattled on about for the last few years. Okay, so that's it for this week. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.